You're working one day on a show. They don't care about your character. They want you to be able to do this and hit your marks and be coordinated, and they're only going to tell you one time. That is Ron Morosco, accomplished TV, film, and theater actor, author of the highly acclaimed book on acting technique, Notes to an Actor, and now professor of theater at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. On this episode, part one of the effective techniques to book film and TV work if you've trained as a theater actor. So anyway, wanted to talk about the difference between stage and screen acting. Yes. And actually, um, this is a very interesting topic for me because I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually have never acted in a play. Did you know that? No. Um, and that, of course, you know, on some level, that doesn't matter at all because um, the the notion of what is acting for screen can in some cases be a completely different thing. Actually, sometimes having too much stage experience or even too much acting experience can sometimes make somebody seem too actory on screen. So it's absolutely not unheard of that people don't have an experience for that. They just have a sort of natural approach that seems to work okay for the screen. Um, there's two main things about the difference between the stage and, and filming. First of all, I do think that you are always somewhat, you know, it used to be that in the auditions you were always doing theater acting, meaning you were in a room with somebody. So that's how you auditioned. Actually, that's not the case anymore. A lot more auditioning is done on film. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that that it's not always the case. I mean, you could be somebody that has zero stage experience, not able to really act at all on stage, and yet still uh, get all kinds of auditions just merely by doing something on film. Um, one thing is true. Most people, when they are studying acting, are really studying the theater. Uh, meaning, the kind of acting they do is they are in a room with people, they get up on some sort of a stage or a platform and they perform. And I would say across the land, that's most acting classes. Um, and it is certainly most theater departments. And, and anybody that has a degree in theater, majors in theater, goes to a theater conservatory or a, a, a liberal arts four-year program that majors in theater, you're going to be doing theater. theater. Theater, 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 theater. A theater kind of acting. You're up on a platform in a large room acting in a certain way, often with zero cameras present. If you did a survey and you said to people, I just graduated from a four-year program, theater major, and you asked how much work they did in front of a camera, it'll be about zero. Mm. Very, very little. And so I think it's a problem. I think across the country it's a problem. If it was me, I think that some genius will come along at some point that has some power and some ability, and they will create a film acting program, and it will be four years. And for four years, you go to a university, and there'll be cameras, and you can be filmed, and you can see yourself then up on a screen. And you'll be able to understand what the kind of acting requires, the kind of acting that's actually going to make you, uh, allow you to make a living as an actor. But that happens very little. 
actors have very, very little time in front of a camera, very little time to really learn and make adjustments. And so it's a problem. Now, there's a way to circumvent it, even if you're in the middle of doing an undergraduate, say, acting class, you know, program. I think when you are an actor and you're a theater actor and you're doing plays or whatever, I think it's you should try to approach them from a kind of level of realism that will be usable in film. And let me give an example. I'll give you a, a very good example of, of a kind of undergraduate situation. They were doing a play, um, uh, 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 someone else was directing it, and it was um, The Seagull, Chekhov's The Seagull. And uh, this is an undergraduate program, and a young guy got cast of the role of, uh, I think the character's name is Soren, and he's a kind of older caretaker of a of a, an estate, and he's a sweet old man, a kind of wonderful Chekhov character. But the guy that was playing it was, you know, 21, and we had a conversation. I wasn't directing. I was just chatting with him, and I said, look, don't do, you know, he's a sweet soul. He's a little bit broken. Be that. Don't do some old man fucking thing. You know what I mean? And try to look like an old man and be, oh, and he said, yeah, I totally get it. I see what you mean. I said, just play what he feels. The, the brokenness, you know, you can be a 21-year-old and, and life can be tough enough that it's broken you a little bit and that there's still a sweetness that comes through. And so play that, you know, work on that rather than it being some big fancy external thing. Well, Sure enough, the play came, I saw it, I almost died. It was so horrible what he did. He had on gray shit in his hair, and he had, you know, makeup on and lines drawn, and he shook the whole time. I've never met an old person that just shook the whole time. And I've never met an old person that's just like bent over. This guy was bent over and kind of shaking the whole time, and oh, people thought he was just wonderful. I'm sure all of his relatives were just like, what an actor. Imagine shaking like that throughout the whole performance. It was terrible. And it's an approach to acting that, sure enough, this guy, this was years ago this happened, and I can tell you he doesn't work. He's never worked. I'm sure he's not involved in acting at all. Because that's not an approach to acting that's going to get you any kind of work. If they wanted to have a sh an old man and put him in a movie, they'd find him. And if they wanted a shaking old man, they'd call an agent and say, get me a shaking old man. But what they want from you as an actor is your ability to play human real feelings and, and, and to find that analogy. We can have old aspects of ourselves weary aspects of ourselves, broken aspects of ourselves. And if he had concentrated on that much more than he had concentrated on the externals and this kind of external showing off, it would have been an approach to acting that might have helped him move towards a, a career. And I'll give you an example of another version. This was years ago. I directed a play, and it's a lovely play uh, called Fifth of July by Lanford Wilson. There's an older woman in it. And, but she's a very kind of plucky older woman. And I said to the actress, here's what we'll do. You do your hair slightly, less, kind of maybe as an older person would have it, meaning put it up in a way that you're comfortable with. I said, we'll get you some clothes. We'll weigh down your boobs a little bit, you know, so that in a sweater your boobs will be a little bit weighed down. And that's it. 
and she had on a, she had reading glasses that she'd use when she read. But the rest of it was was just whatever was part of her, you know, which is she was thin, and so she had a kind of frailness of the old woman. But that was it. But the old lady was plucky and alive, and and loved her husband, and talks throughout the whole play about how much she loved her husband. And so it was she was playing the feelings of something, you know. Um, this is an actress who has since gone on to do terrific things. And because she always came at it being a human, being a person, being real, and not being a show-off-ass performance. And the problem with theater departments is they love show-off-y performances. They love highly physical performances. First thing that happens in an acting class is everybody's hopping and jumping and doing all that kind of stuff. They love that. That's great. It's not of any use when you're doing film stuff. Nothing. None of it is. None of it. Zero. So what happens is, in the theater department, you very often are spending four years learning a kind of acting that is really not going to be helpful to you. And you're not learning basic how to conduct yourself on film. So, how to conduct yourself on film. What are the differences? I have two little things I say to actors all the time. I'll start to say if you're doing a monologue. I think when you are doing a monologue in the theater, I always tell people, you should be inside the monologue. So that if you're doing Hamlet, the whips and scorns of time are around you. They're kind of coming at you. And you're somewhat responding to them. You are in the middle of this whole problem. It's, it's around you, the whole thing. And when theater acting is bad is when it doesn't look like what the person has inside of them is also around them. When you do film, it's the exact opposite, which is you're not in the monologue. The monologue should be in you. And I just do those two slightly different things. And it makes a difference. So like I said, if we're working on Hamlet right now and I say, okay, Lee, get up and we're on stage and I say, when you start to feel all of these things coming around you, literally almost react slightly as if, you know, you're on a, a, a freeway and all of this stuff is zooming by you because it pulls you up out of a kind of narcissistic place and it gets you to where you are sharing basically your truth. It's truthful. It should be absolutely truthful, but it's a shared truth. And if we were doing it on camera, and I said, look, the camera's really, really, really close. Just say it. And think of all of this stuff that you have inside of you. It's inside of you. And interesting film actors look like they have a lot going on inside of them. And so that's just a little rule of thumb. In theater, you are in the monologue. In film, the monologue is in you. The other thing I will often say is when you think of theater think of reveal and when you think of film think of conceal and i like to do this with a really you know kind of angry why you know piece that has a lot of emotion when you work with an actor and you're always saying on stage show that to them get that out of you let that be in this whole fucking room so that when i'm talking every single person that's in this theater feels this stuff coming out of me then, when you go back and you begin to work on it, you say, it's on, on camera, conceal it. Have that same level of feeling. Try to have that same level of feeling, but keep capping it. Keep 
physically capping it. Keep capping it, capping it, try to conceal it, try to conceal it, and find the sweet spot between it bursting out of you and you putting a cap on it. And most of the time, it's better to put more of a cap on it. And we just see little intimations of something popping out. So those are that's a very, very basic kind of a thing to, 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 to say. Um, we often think of film acting or theater acting as larger and smaller. And I don't think that's helpful. I don't think that film acting is smaller, per se, because what that ends up doing is it makes it seem like it is less powerful and it matters less, and that's not very helpful. What it is, though, is it's closer. Most of the time, you're closer. I mean, if it's a shot from far away and you're running down the street screaming, okay, fine. But a lot of times, you're a lot closer on film. And so what I started to do at school was I just began to have people rehearse closer. Um, I put them in an elevator together. Or instead of having them do, you know, a big scene with furniture and everything, I'd say, go, go stand someplace close. Do it in a car. You try anything. Try the big scene with Hamlet where he goes into his mother's room and he rips her to shreds. Try it in a car driving. You think people don't have big fights in a car? They have fights in our car. It's just closer film stuff because the eye that's watching, it, the camera, is closer. So I think thinking bigger and smaller isn't necessarily helpful, but you do have to think closer. The other thing I do is in my classes, if we, you know, because we don't have cameras, what I do is I actually have the actor, uh, the audience, watch them very closely, meaning they sit very close to them. I don't have them separated. So I'll have the people that are watching. It's almost like they're standing around watching the fight. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Really, really, really close doing the scene. Rather than, oh, the, actor, the actors are up on a platform and the kids are kind of sitting off in seats far away from them. And that changes things tremendously. And just try that yourself, even with just the smallest audience. I'm doing a monologue, and now you're in a theater, and you guys are, you know, 30 feet away from me, 20 feet away. And even in a, even in a basic, small acting studio, you're 20 feet away from someone, 15 feet away. Now try it where I'm standing a foot from you, and I'm the audience, and you're doing this monologue. You know, As, I used to – sorry to interrupt you, Ron. Don't, don't interrupt, please. I uh, – I'm thinking back to a couple of years ago and I was, I had, I had been working on this monologue, working on it, working on it. And I thought it was getting, it was getting good. And then, uh, I was in California and, um, I was visiting this girl that I was dating and it was late, late one night. And she was literally laying on top of me with her face, like six inches away from mine. And she was begging me to do this monologue. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do it. Finally, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And she just remained where she was. And I did it. And hands down, it was the best I'd ever done. Yeah, I think when you think of, you know, if you're in a scene, well, think of the camera as that girl. Yeah. You know, I, I often will say to actors, because largely in the theater, people are too fake and big sometimes, and they're not human enough. And, you know, and sometimes in, in film, the same thing can happen. But but whatever, I always say to actors, every single audience member is a camera. So when you're in an audience, just think they're all cameras and you want them to get it all. And when you're on a set 
every single camera is an audience member. So meaning, I'm going to make the camera like there's a person standing that close to me while I'm doing the scene. And if I imagine them as a person, it's helpful because it helps me to sort of shape it to the right size and the right vibe. And the same thing somewhat is true in in the theater. If you think, look, they're all cameras. You want them all to see your performance. You want them all to get every bit of your performance. So those are two little imaginative things that I think are really, really helpful. And especially the thing with the camera, because the camera's mechanistic and it makes people nervous. But if you imagine that, you know, it's, you know, um, if I'm doing Shakespeare, which I probably wouldn't be doing on film, but anyway, if it's film, you say, well, instead of that being a mechanistic camera, I'm thinking, Shakespeare's standing there. Shakespeare's standing right there, and that's who's watching through that lens. Look, we use the same terms, lens or eye. They call it the head of the camera. You know, it's, just, it's the exact same thing. And, and, a, and a human head and eyes are doing exactly what a camera's doing. They're focusing, they're moving, they're sort of dollying around, um, they're getting closer, they're pulling away, they're, you know, it's, it's, it's very basically that. And you want to humanize the camera, I think, and understand that this is just that they're closer to you. It doesn't mean that it's smaller because a lot of times that creates a sort of overly relaxed, cautious, kind of fucking boring-ass performance that people can do just because like, hey, yeah, I'm on film and I took this film acting course, I'm trying to keep everything kind of, you know, down here. and You go, great, but you're a bore. Um, so it's a better way of thinking than larger or smaller or, or, or any of that. So those are just some rules of thumb. When you're on stage, you're thinking of reveal. When you're on camera, you're thinking of conceal. Um, when you're doing a monologue or speaking <laughs> on stage, you are in the speaking. You are in the monologue. And on film, the monologue or the speaking is in you. And then just generally think, you know, um, the reason I say sometimes to actors when they're on stage, think that every audience member is a camera, it means that you're going to try to aim your performance to everyone. Imagine if a, a hundred people, they're all cameras, and you don't know which one is going to be sent to Steven Spielberg for your audition tape. So if you think about that way, it democratizes your physicality in a way that opens you up to a whole, the whole room and to sort of sharing to everyone in a way that works for everyone, which is a very good kind of vibe, physical vibe to be in for the theater. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, every audience member is a camera and every camera is a person or every person is a camera and every camera is a person on film. You have to be trained to be an actor, but you don't have to be trained to be a human being. And we have a natural way that our body adjusts to conversing. And let me give you an example. Say that you and I are having a conversation like we have about acting or whatever, and we're doing it while we are painting a house together. So I'm on one end of, you know, uh, the the exterior, and you're on the other end, so we're 30 feet away. And there we are in our overalls, painting, friends, chatting, talking. My body and my voice naturally knows how to get to you mm -hmm. and talk to you and still keep it intimate. I wouldn't be saying, well, Lee, the thing about performing, I mean, 
Obviously, I have to talk louder because you're like at the other end, but I'm still, you know, relaxed and I'm still me. And you're kind of far away, but we're still just kind of having a chat. And my body knows how to get it out to you. In the same way, if we were sitting in a tiny car, my body would know, oh, okay, now Liz sees right here. So I'm kind of talking to him like this. He'd be saying the exact same thing. But my body knows. I'm just, you know, you're sitting next to me and you're right in the car and we're kind of talking like this. So it's different. And now we're painting, and I had to kind of expand it out a little bit because we're painting, and now you're in the car, and we're having a conversation, and now I'm painting, and we're having the conversation. And eventually you fool around with how do you get that to where it's right. And usually your body knows. If I'm in the car, I'm not going to talk to you like we're out on a lawn. I mean, if we're out on the lawn, I'm not going to talk to you like we're in a car. And yet I don't have to make any conscious adjustment. My humanness tells me, oh, that's how I'm supposed to kind of talk. That's the right volume, and that's the right mechanism and tone for connecting with this human being that I know in the situation. And I think you want some of that natural instinct to come into play. And when you think, I'm doing this, and there's a person that's standing right there, which happens to be the camera, it'll, it'll, it'll make you do things in a way that I think somehow are naturally more right for the scale. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so those are just, I think, a couple of rules of thumb. One thing people do not understand about film act, and this is, again, another way where very often your theater training, and especially undergraduate theater training, can betray you. A lot of times we privilege the actor's ability to explore a role, and we love to do that. Uh, you know, we love to let actors find their own blocking. And there's a taboo about ever giving them a line reading or telling them something about the way to do it or, or say, put this, put the glass down on this exact line. We think, oh, you know, that's just terrible. You're not letting them be free and you're a dictatorial director and, you know, you're thwarting their creativity as an actor. And they go through four years of that bullshit. Then they get on a film set. And the level of coordination is so fast and so much. And it is especially when you're starting out. And let me give you an example. You were a paramedic. You had all these shit, the shit to carry. You had to put stuff down. You had to do this. You had to take out tape. You had to shut a thing. You had to put down a a, 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 a walkie-talkie. You're going through all of this stuff. You're working one day on a show. They don't care about your character. They want you to be able to do this and hit your marks and be coordinated, and they're only going to tell you one time in a rehearsal. Just to reiterate how complicated that was. Right. So I had to do a move that wasn't wasn't even left in the final cut. I needed to take a... Uh, like a like a bottle of medicine that you that you get push push the syringe into. I had to take it out with my left hand out of a bag that was like over my shoulder. Obviously, there was like a bunch of Kleenex and stuff to try to hold this bottle up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I re- I undo mm-hmm. with my left hand, reach in, pick it up, making sure not to cover or or make sure to cover the label. So I had to have it. So I covered the label with my fingers, but I had to have this top sticking out. And then with my other hand, I had to uh, put it in, uh, but I had to make sure that it was 
at this perfect line so that right. they could just see my eyes over the right. bottle. Exactly. And, my, in the and this, don't forget, this has happened doubly so with all of the very close kind of camera work that they do. It used to be, you know, there were a couple of cameras, they kind of filmed you, they got it, they didn't. Now there's all kinds of artful camera work. And so the level of coordination. But again, if you've gone through four years as an undergraduate doing all of this free acting, then all of a sudden you are put in a situation where things are so tight. Yeah. That's why I have always, I force actors to do certain things at certain times just to learn the discipline of it. So a lot of times I'll say, I want the cup down on this line, and you've got to get used to being able to do it. You have to practice and practice and practice and work on easy coordination and it isn't always just what the character is doing because a lot of times it's not just like oh this is what your character should be thinking they don't care about the character they're saying you have to move here or you're going to knock a camera over or you cannot stand there because you're going to block the star so i think if you have worked a lot even if you just give yourself things in rehearsals where you say i'm going to work this out and do these tasks in a very specific way And I'm going to try to do them exactly the same way over and over again and still always make it look fresh and real, but still keeping myself, forcing myself to do these physically coordinated things. So I actually liked it when when a director would say something like, "Um, turn on this moment, because I go, ah, that's a moment where if I can keep, I got to discipline myself to do that. And if I can do that, and still stay free, I had a sense that that was going to be a huge help in film stuff and how heavily coordinated film stuff is. And so I think that's another thing. Part of the reason why people are so uncomfortable on the set and so stiff and hate the way they look on a camera is because it is a very mechanistic situation. What we see on screen looks beautiful. That's not what they're seeing. Right. They're seeing lots of wires, lots of measurements, lots of very mechanistic things. And so you have to know that that's going to be there for you. And you have to be able to get used to a relaxation within a tremendous sense of mechanism. So I think all of these little things you do to be coordinated – you know, or even just saying, I think this is the line, I'm going to put it down, and this line, I'm going to pick it up. It's right here, I'm going to wait for the laugh, and then I'm going to open the beer. I'm not going to open the beer on the laugh. I'm going to wait for the laugh, dies down, boom, open the beer. And then all of that kind of precision work, you're going to find will serve you tremendously, I think, in the, 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 the film situation. Because really, you don't get a lot of practice at it. Which, as I said, I fault the undergraduate programs. I don't know why. They wouldn't even have to have a whole big studio. You don't need a studio. I could do it with one set. I could have one little set that's like a little restaurant. That's it. And every fucking scene you do for four years takes place in the restaurant. You're still going to learn about your body on a camera or your face on a camera. And it takes an awful lot to work at that. Different actors are inclined in different ways. Some people are more inclined for the theater and some people are more, and that's just what their body's doing. It's, it's, it's just that it's different. You know, it's like some people are jazz singers and some people are opera singers. It's just, you know, there's just a, a slightly different thing. I have found, and I've thought a lot about this, 
But the British actors who are largely trained in theater, and that includes, and what I mean by that is even after they become movie stars, they all go back and do theater. Jude Law, Judy Dench, Helen Mirren, Benedict Cumberbatch, all of them, even the youngest, the oldest, they all, as soon as they're in a great hot shit American movie, they rush back and they're doing something at the RSC. So there's a kind of back and forth that constantly happens. And what I have found, and you could make a study of this and look at the reviews, it's much more common for British stage people to end up having okay film careers than it is for an American film actor to get up on a stage and also do a very good job on stage. That, that's much more unusual. There are only a few that I think have had that happen and really do it with great regularity. Uh, someone actually like Meryl Streep, uh, my friend Patricia Clarkson, who right now is in The Elephant Man in England, she's somebody who I think moves very beautifully from film to stage as an American actress. It's less common. It's less common. And I think part of that is the American approach. It's not so much for any technical reasons. The American approach tends to privilege the individual personality and whims. And they want people to feel comfortable. We like individuals to feel comfortable. And that's very American. And there's great, great things about that. But the, the British, it's much more, I think, a sense of fitting into the task at hand and the form here. And to me, I think that the life of an actor, you're much more apt to be really fitting into a form, <laughs> a physical form, a script form, um, a situational form. And you're trying to understand how best to, you know, work within that form and not feel limited by the form where I think for American actors, we're always trying to get rid of the form. And it goes back to the very first thing we talked about. These acting teachers that come in and say, oh, get rid of the punctuation. That's very American. Get rid of the form. The form is you. You do what you want. It's all about you being comfortable. But TV shows are not about that. Films are not about that. You know, great. After you're a big, huge star, then great. Everything will just twist, and you will be the form, and everyone will want to follow you, and that'll happen. Great. That's not going to happen unless you're able to really follow the form and be within the form and understand the needs of the situation. And sometimes we privilege the way an actor, an American actor feels, the way an American actor's own little destiny, their own mechanism, their own work that they're doing, their own emotional freedom that we don't want to thwart anybody's emotional freedom, God forbid. And that's fine. But I think the reverse has proven to be better careers. You know, it's very, very common. And just in terms, I'm only talking about in terms of the ability to go from theater to film and back and forth. It's it's not as common to have American actors that are able to move back and forth as, as much. And so I do think, especially in the early days, we've this has been a theme that we've talked about through all these podcasts, which is the sweet spot of your freedom and your spontaneity with that form. And so I think you just have to understand when it comes to the theater or film, this is a very different form. You know, how tight is this camera? How intimate a film is this? 
Um, is this a big epic film where I'm running around? Well, that's a lot of theater acting then, somewhat. You know, you just kind of go, it's not as close. You just got to have a sense of how close things are. Does the scene take place where we're in a room and we're having a tight conversation? Well, if we're in a room, we're having a tight conversation. I got to know, hey, that's the form I'm in. I got to fit myself to that form, you know? And then if it enlarges and I'm in a castle and it's a kingdom, even though it's a film, I may have be on film, but it's a large situation. And then I fit myself to that, the largeness of that situation. And I think you're always trying to, to re- respect the situation, the situation of the scene and the form of the scene, not just your character, what your character is going through. You know? And we tend to privilege acting, that acting is this thing that's about me being my character. And it isn't. It's really your character within a form and your ability to exist within that form. And I think that's where some of the American training has betrayed actors, where it's so much about you, your own feelings, your own way of wanting to do things, that then when it comes to your job and you're asked to really be fit into a very tight form, um, they, they can't do it. And and they've been betrayed by their training because their training never told them to do that. It would be like this. I'm a football coach, right? And But we practice on a field that has no lines drawn. Mm-hmm. And we've been working on football, but I never told you that there's a thing called out of bounds. <laughs> well, you, you should have mentioned that because that's like a really big problem now. Because I've been running around this lineless field, having a good old time, thinking I'm a football player. And now, come to find out that in real football, there's very strict lines on the field that i got to follow. And that's how it feels to me, you know, some of the training. You have to let people know about those limits. You have to let people know about those forms. You have to let people know about the dictates of different situations. And a certain kind of theater you know, is is, a, is a, a, a certain kind of thing. A big, huge house, if you're on a Broadway house and there's a thousand people, well, that's a lot different than if you are in a, you know, a kind of small storefront that has 30 people. Obviously, that's more going to be somewhat more like what film acting would be. But I don't think you should necessarily just think of film and theater. I think you should think of how close someone is and how far someone is. If you have an acting question that you'd like Ron Morosco to answer on an upcoming episode, please call Action Podcast number 206-424-9368 and leave your question on the voicemail. This is Lee Foster. Thank you for listening.